we're going to speak in English. And uh, Jonathan, you didn't uh, understand possibly what Sarah just said, but uh, I wasn't listening. Heard... Okay, good. So I won't explain it to you either. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Uh, Jonathan, we had a little chat last week, and uh, it, it became fairly brief in a sense because uh, we started talking and it. Uh, felt like we shouldn't talk more then because uh, it, it kind of felt like we were starting to talk about giving this type of talk and the type of conversation that we started then felt like it could be an artist talk. So we kind of stopped talking and said that we would possibly continue today. And then we met a bit this afternoon and I started having uh, some questions for you, but then I actually didn't ask them because I thought I'd, I'd save them for now. Do you do a, a lot of talks like this? Uh, <laughs> not really. Or do you always stop them? when? <laughs> I try and avoid them. I uh -huh. don't, well, I don't openly avoid them, but uh, I, do, I just think sometimes it's easier not to plan them too much, so uh, you can plan them as you go, and it's maybe a little bit more spontaneous than uh, some sort of prepared talk. Uh, is that me? Okay. Um, so that's why I thought it was maybe more interesting just to start and see where it went without any idea of uh, where it could go. Uh, perhaps it might not go anywhere, and uh, but that could still be good. Um, I don't know. If people start to leave, then maybe we look at your notes. Okay. Uh, but it <coughs> then it just means we have to kind of keep talking. Um, but I, th I think, um, well, what are we looking at now? I see. I think this idea of looking at the work over the internet seems a little kind of depressing, but probably um, how most people sadly look at a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, as uh, perhaps the internet has taken over from the local library. Even though my... Uh, my mother tells me the library in her village has uh, improved a lot since I lived there. Um, and she doesn't actually have internet access at home. So she does actually go to the library quite often. But that's not really very interesting, I suppose. I find it interesting. I mean, I, I, uh, you gave me a book uh, that I uh, read. And uh, one of the things that I read in there was that you were talking about how you haven't really stepped into the digital era. I don't know if that's still true for you. I'm not entirely sure, but how, uh, in any case, you sort of prefer books or in the fact that you like books a lot and the I do like materiality of, of objects and so forth. I, I like books a lot, but they, they do take up space, mm. um, which is also kind of fine if you have a lot of space. But... Uh, I'm not, I, I like computers, but I'm not really uh, very good with them. Um, so you're not opposed to the internet in any way? I'm not opposed no. to it. I'm actually uh, embracing it mm. right now, or someone is at least. Mm. Uh, but, um, <laughs> yeah, books. I, I collect books. But I guess everyone collects books. I mean, if you buy a book, you put it on the shelf and it's kind of somehow part of a collection of other books. Um, but I, 
Yeah, I'm trying to avoid talking about art. But I'm not, You're trying to avoid talking about I'm not art? avoiding yeah. it, but I just was going to talk about something then and then I sort of stopped myself. So. But there's collecting and collecting, right? I mean, you, you're, you're a fairly serious collector of... Uh, that, of course, we can look at each of these words, what collecting is defined as and, and serious as well, but it's, I mean, your collecting of books and certain types of books plays into your art as well. Yeah. Sometimes. I, I actually have uh, 18 copies of uh, crackers by Ed Ruscha. I'm trying to be the in the Guinness Book of Records. Actually, mm. <laughs> I'm sure there's probably someone that's got more than me. But um, you beat the record a long time ago. Who knows? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. But I, I'm kind of pricing myself out of the market because every time I see one, I buy it. Mm. Then all the other books become more expensive mm. because there's less available. Uh-huh. Which is kind of the reason why I continue to try and get hold of them. And I, I'm actually thinking of even opening a bookshop um, to sell these books, just one book. Uh, I'm not sure how good it's going to go, but it could be quite funny to have a bookshop with one book. You will only have one book available in the whole store? One, I would sell one book and uh, potato-flavoured, uh, no, not potato, uh, potato-based snack foods at the same time. Those, ah. like crisps and crackers it would be called the shop <laughs> so <laughs> I just like the idea of selling like quite expensive artist books to people with greasy fingers it, it's quite a <laughs> nice what's the book that you're going to sell which it's, would you it's this Ed Ruscha book that's oh, why okay. I'm b- that's building one. the collection for my stock oh, of course that will be in the back of the mm. shop mm. <laughs> Every time I sell the book, I'll go and get another one. But we'll see. Maybe next time you're in Berlin, you could look it up. The the bookstore. The bookstore. Yeah. When will you open it? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe next year. I mean, I found the location, which isn't is also not ideal, but it could work. Mm. It's a busy street. You can't really park. But uh, and the food itself, would you? I'd import that. Them? I'd import the crisps from the UK. <laughs> so just these small bags, small that bags you find of in crisps, the pubs, yeah. hula uh, hoops, and uh, what monster munch. But you, it, it's a shame you can't get them in Germany. They're, I don't know, the snack foods just aren't really uh, as good as they should be. But anyway, very few flavors, I think, in Germany in, in that type flavors. of crisps. Yeah. <laughs> the names aren't very good either. Razzles and it's perfect in Britain. Anyway, okay, sorry. So, no, it's. But I find it very interesting. It makes me think of food of Gordon Matta Clark. But I don't know if you yeah, want maybe. to talk about that. Yeah, kind. Of, well, they I guess they it's didn't a similar because they did. Uh, you know, their food at food was kind of a performance almost. Yeah. You know, Gordon Matta Clark would. But cook it, and didn't stuff. he would you... plant a cherry tree in the basement or something? A cherry. Was that somewhere else? I don't know about that. I just know how he made the meat dinners. And yeah. You would eat just different type of meats that were uh, somehow the bones were with the food. And once you'd eaten them, you could make uh, like jewelry out of it or something. Well, that sounds... I'm not sure I can... You haven't heard of it? But I've that's, heard, I've kind in of your heard case, of it would be bit, you would just have the bag left and you would have to make stuff out of the uh, chip bag. Yeah. Maybe we should... Drop I think the I'm, subject. <laughs> no, it's good. 
Bags, you can put them in the oven, they shrink down to miniature bags. <laughs> Have oh, you yeah. ever tried that? No. Have you ever tried that, Dave? Yeah. yeah I see. Small bags of crisps. I want to ask you about light, the large yeah. work that, uh, well, some of you can sort of see it from here, and I, I assume most of you have been to see the exhibition. Jonathan's work in the exhibition Betwixt is the first work that we see in here. And uh, in certain ways, it's sort of telling of how you work or sometimes work, that it's, ref well, you have to correct me on each point, but uh, that it's referential to art history in different ways. Uh -huh. And um, in this case, we're uh, entering the space and we see this bowler hat on the wall, the laser beam uh, pointing at this photograph, and then there's this bag of apples standing in the corner. And I think quite a lot of people have been through the exhibition with groups and different individuals, uh, and I try not to say basically anything and they start sort of picking up and it's quite quickly if they have uh, if they are able to read tiny prints print they find the name Magritte okay. on the photograph and then they ah they go ah, the bowler hat the apple I know that painting and then they then it all becomes really well no then they they, they sort of <laughs> no then they they start one one can start talking about Magritte but then there's the box And, and people sort of continue in that logic and they try to go from Magritte to understand but what's, why is there another hat here and so forth. Yeah. Um, That's my experience, part of my experience of the, of the work in the, with first encounters. Well, I think, I think it's quite not strange to see it here, but I did actually make it for a show um, that I'd done in New York. Um, so I'd made it specifically for this American type audience and the picture of Magritte I'd found in a book um, from a show that was made in I think in LA two years ago um, and it just shows Magritte I think he's at the races somewhere in Texas um, it says rodeo it says Magritte with okay. Lulu okay rodeo at rodeo yeah Lulu it seems to be a dog rodeo with Lulu And uh, I, I just really was interested in this picture of him dressed as an American. Um, well, he looks more American than we're used to seeing him. Um, so I somehow wanted to bring this photograph to life, if it was possible. Um, which, of course, it actually isn't. But um, I'd used lasers a little bit before. Um, to write things and draw things. Um, and then I decided that I would just try and light his cigarette um, mm -hmm. with a light uh, that crosses the space in this um, here too, uh, as it did in America. Um, so it's coming, the whole uh, thing, I guess, revolves a little bit around this idea of connecting something that's more, I guess, British, but uh, this bowler hat. Um, and the the picture of uh, Magritte in America, and and the box really, I guess that was somewhere. Initially, we wanted to um, 
hire a bunch of cowboys to smoke cigarettes in the gallery, but apparently it's illegal to do that. In the so, States, yeah. Um, we had to somehow uh, work with it in a different way. Um, so I um, asked for a kind of box or crate to be made that um, gave off smoke. Mm -hmm. uh, and the hat, again, is just, again, somehow connecting to the other hat. So you... The smoke also allows you to see the line that mm. crosses the room. So then there's a, an automatic connection, even though the, there's not really anything in between them. So it becomes kind of like a system in itself. The, the idea of a cigarette makes it possible to see the orange yeah. line pointing at the cigarette. Kind of, yeah. Because yeah. I was, uh, one, I was thinking because it was in Texas that it might have to. I mean, once you start thinking in these terms that you sort of put it together as a as a puzzle, you you. you or at least I start trying to find other references almost. And so I was starting to think about Dol Judd and this box because it's in Texas. And Did you yeah, think of that, that at all or is that no? Well, I guess when we were building know. it in <laughs> in the street, when we realized we couldn't get cowboys to smoke, mm -hmm. we kind of had to make this uh, this box in the middle of Chelsea. So it did start to look either like a packing crate or a... Donald Judd. Um, but I guess you, when this arrived, did it come in another crate? That would have been funny. Yeah, of course. Well, we have to treat that crate as, 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 as a work of art, of course. With white so, gloves. Uh, yes, that's, of course. That's how we treat the thing, yeah. So the crate was in a crate and we oh, sort of carefully placed it there. Okay. But I think it, what, what happens is also, uh, you know, looking at your art... Uh, for me, I, 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 normally that would just be a box. It's 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 just a box. It is just a box, and th yeah. there's smoke coming out and stuff. But then, after a while, uh, it's Jonathan Monk, and you think, well, wh where's the minimalist here? That's sort of how I thought. That's why I think in any other case, I wouldn't have started to think about <laughs> Donald Judd. You kind of fall... I noticed that I fall into these traps. Is that something that starts happening... has started happening sort of later in your art? Or, well, a little bit. you know bit. what I mean? When, that, yeah, that, that, people assume... Because it's you, I think. Where, so where's the minimalist here? Because you... Sorry? <laughs> no, but you know, I, what I'm saying is that I started thinking about Donald Judd because you had made this work. That obviously comes from ideas of René Magritte, but, but uh, I mean, you've made many other works yeah. where you reference or you play with ideas of Sol Lewis and all, you sure. know, all, all kinds of... Uh, well, I think that's always, for me, kind of a reason to, to switch that and push it in another direction, just uh, because it is just really a box. It's not... Anything to do with... Uh, Donald Judd. Donald Judd. But, um, y yeah, you kind of fall into these traps, which I guess all artists do. Or maybe not all, but some. But do you feel... Is that a trap that I think that way about it's it? It's actually or? quite good because it allows me to kind of play on everyone else's thoughts about what I do. Mm -hmm. So it makes it possible for me to do something completely different and then people have to think about or their their ideas of what I do somehow in a different light. But um, people do assume there is some sort of... Like, there's Donald Judd, completely different. Well, not the top one, if you...
I'm, I'm not insisting. I just, that was actually no, one I of mean, the things that I was, I was quite curious about. And the other work in there, uh, which is called, so let us now begin at the beginning, uh-huh. was kind of uh, f- fun to discover when we installed this show. And I was working with Sofia Hultian. Uh, I, once I had brought the, the work out and we were installing and she was installing her films in there and and first she couldn't read it because it's backwards and so forth but then once she saw that it said Lester she 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 just wanted the work to be closer and closer to her own work because her sister lives in Leicester mine mine too oh, yours too <laughs> maybe the name there seems to be a lot of coincidences like this all the time it's a small world that's yeah. the internet I tell you no I mean I yeah I suppose I did this because I was actually born in Leicester but well not in Leicester but very near to it and um yeah it was really the starting point or has been the starting point to a lot of things that I've done mm-hmm. I guess um and the real the reason why it's reversed or upside down I can't really remember what is it is that we uh we try to make it in four different versions by just changing around the how the the type was written mm-hmm. so it exists as different versions which I suppose I probably got the idea from someone else but it would it allowed me to make unique editions of the same thing mm. um so the beginning's a little bit different each time mm. but that so you were born in leicester and then uh but you went to art school in glasgow sorry went there oh yeah in glasgow i did yes yeah. it's glasgow. Uh, yeah. yeah i did go to art school in glasgow um do you feel that you're sort of part of a group of people of a certain period from that do you distance yourself from that? No, I, I don't distance myself from that. But I think that group of artists that were somehow associated with Glasgow in the mid to or early to late 90s or sometime in the 90s has probably, uh, it's not quite so tight as it was then. Um, they're still all working and I think most of them the scene has just changed in Glasgow. The generation of people that have left art school has kind of taken over, of course, and it's not dominated by the same people that that I knew then. But mm. I, I, well, there was a time, you know, when one was thinking, uh, talking a lot about, you know, British art in a certain way, and I think we're well beyond that now, where each art you don't think so much about where where people might come from. Each artist stands, you know, it's the art that is. Uh, interesting so it's yeah, not sure. that's not what i'm sort of getting at but it, but still it's it seems to be it's in a sense kind of remarkable that there was a certain time when there was a group of people from glasgow which was i think a city that before that one didn't really associate with contemporary art in that way um yeah I, glasgow i know i think it was also completely by chance that that all happened as any sort of scene develops i suppose even that this whole kind of young British artist thing was a kind of, I guess, invention by someone that uh, thought something needed to be invented. And the Glasgow thing was certainly not really invented by any of the people that lived in Glasgow, even though there were a lot of shows that were just with Glasgow artists. Even here, there was mm-hmm. 95 or six. There, there was a show that Maria Lynn did many, many years ago at, at Edsvik. I guess that's how it happened. I mean, this this happened in in Sweden as well a few years ago when there was a a curator from from France who 
dubbed, uh, called it the Nordic miracle, and then there were lots and <laughs> I lots of... it was of, the Glasgow uh, miracle. Wasn't well, that the Glasgow, He called it the Glasgow miracle. Well, then he went on and called something else Speak the Nordic the, miracle. The, but, yeah. but that, 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 I, thought, I thought it was a good thing. I mean, I, I, sure. I, I think it probably was good for Glasgow too, but when it happened here, the, 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 the not-so-interesting thing is perhaps that in a, that type of uh, thing happening the same artists get picked over and over again. But uh, still, it brings the art out. And uh, now a lot of that group are just being, you know, they're showing and they're being included in shows because uh, people have seen them. And it has nothing to do with the fact that they uh, might be from Sweden or or Denmark or whatever. Yeah, I I think the scene, uh, obviously, as Dave said, it just switches quite often and Glasgow had its moment. 15 minutes or so um and then it went where did it go after that i don't know and it, i think it is good but i i always have a little bit of a problem how it china is where it went yeah but it's right not now. been is it still there it's like eight kind minutes yeah, okay but mm. it was in leipzig for like oh that's right two years and i i don't know how it must be for for artists that are working in leipzig now when it isn't in leipzig anymore mm. I guess it's for same as for people in Glasgow at the time. Or? No, but it, in Glasgow it never really changed the, for for any of us. I don't think not at that time for sure. There was no money involved in this. Mm-hmm. There was no. There was nothing that would. Uh, yeah, you, you felt more like you were being an artist when you were invited to do shows, but it didn't mean anything really in the end. Well, I suppose it did, but I think in Leipzig the the whole thing changed because there was so much money pumped into it. Yeah, I guess back in, <laughs> uh, in the days, now what happens with Leipzig is that people go in. Uh, well, it, that probably changed a lot a few weeks ago, though. Yeah, three weeks ago. Uh, when you look at uh, what happens in the auctions and so forth right now. But, I mean, that didn't happen in Glasgow. In Leipzig, a bunch of collectors came in and they bought all paintings that have been painted in, in, in that uh, sure. town. And, and they were shipped off to L.A. and so forth. Yeah. That didn't happen in Glasgow back when you... No, no. I mean, what, what what was quite funny is that when we did a lot of or a lot of the work that were, or yeah, a lot of the artists that were working at that time perhaps didn't have studios. It was really kind of post studio. Mm. So we were invited to go and do a show somewhere, maybe here or maybe wherever. Mm. But they could get you there, but they didn't have money to ship work. So a lot of work was made on site. So you would it. it helped you deal with situations in a in a different way from just shipping the big photos or the big the big paintings or the big mm-hmm. boxes depending mm-hmm. on uh what you have to ship and i i think that's always been something that probably stays with you this this whole idea of uh not necessarily keeping it simple but keeping it possible mm-hmm. for for you to carry the stuff instead of uh giant crates that need Six people to carry them. Seven. Sort of talking about the art market, and it's it's possible sort of near collapse at the at present, or maybe not, depending on who you ask. But uh, it, it seems to me that, uh, in a very positive sense, your work speaks a lot about. I mean, it speaks a lot about art and the art system as something that refers to itself, and then you sort of break out of that at times, or. I mean, in the sense that uh, 
many, many of your works refer back to certain works from an artist sure. in the 60s and 70s. And I've moved to the 80s now. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. No, I mean, I, I mean I I'm, I'm not saying that each and every one of your work does that, but but it, it's it is. There's some. There's generally some point for me to do the things, so I can. It has come from somewhere, and maybe I'm taking it to somewhere else. Maybe I'm not. But I, I always think there's quite a big shift, um, and I always, uh, not always, but generally, think that what I do isn't the same as what, say, Richard Prince is doing, or say, Ebruchet, that, or Solowit, or whoever. That even if it might look a little bit like what they're doing, it's completely different to what mm. they're they're doing. And, and I sometimes question why people think. The work is just like Etrusay, because I don't think it is. Oh, you but, mean um, your work? No, I'm. I mean, no, it's, I'm, not, it's... I'm not. I'm not saying now that's where the discussion is going. But sometimes people say that, not mm. to me directly, but maybe they write it in a newspaper, and I happen to read it. Get all well, upset. See, to me, when I look at all different <laughs> of that type of work, where you refer, where you well, let's say it, use uh, a work of, of some, you know, like. Uh, Alighieri Boetti, for instance, you use that as sort of a starting point. It always seems to be done with a sort of a love for that artist. No, for sure. Uh, so I'm, I'm not at all bringing it up as a sort of a criticism, but well, to me, it's, it's often more fun, at least as a starting point, when it's an artist I know. I become very involved very quickly, so it's it's easy to step into your art. I feel when you know art history a little bit. Sure. So well, how, it, it, how do I mean, you it doesn't? I, yeah, I guess it just uh, helps you understand it a little bit more. But it, well, not maybe more, maybe just differently, because mm. I'm not sure there's a right and wrong way always. But um, yeah, I d- funny. I just have made a a big carpet. I don't quite know why, but uh, mm. from a yeah from a Boetti tapestry that I just re-photographed and sent the photograph of the open book to a company and they made me this giant carpet mm. in reverse so it's like you're actually walking underneath the earth if mm. that would be possible I've seen it done in films but I can't imagine you can actually really do it mm. <laughs> so you it's a very big carpet that you can walk over the the different lands that are all in the colours of the flags from 1971. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the world's a little bit different now. Um, so it was more, for me, it was more this idea of repeating the same thing but making it a little bit different, um, that you are walking underneath the earth, mm. if that makes any sense at all. But is it important to you also to bring these sort of last heroes, to bring them out, to, I mean... Uh because many of these people, of course, know, but I mean, there's also always younger people coming, uh, becoming interested in art. And I think your art probably for a lot of people is, is uh, where, I mean, today where a person would actually encounter, you know, people like Saul Lewitt and uh, Michael Snow or whomever. And, and actually you are the starting point. So the whole thing is, is becomes reversed in a sense. So you become this person who introduced people to... Thanks. Uh, well, I think that's probably uh, might be in now the some case. Cases. Well, I always... When I went to art school, this whole bunch of um, New York artists in the 80s were the ones that 
I was interested in, and they perhaps led me somehow backwards to the to the uh, first generation of conceptual artists that always seemed a little bit boring when I was nineteen. Mm-hmm. Well, they still do now, but I, I guess that it's a, just a different switch. That 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 whole kind of period of art seemed much more interesting for me after this whole brash eighties extravaganza had sort of fallen away which i'm assuming might happen to a lot of uh, a lot of us in the next two years i've been told mm-hmm. but do you is that at all important to you i mean as being sort of an artist who introduced these to i mean if if that were the case which i think or have you haven't thought about that I mean, the fact that a lot of younger artists are not artists. Uh, I mean, because some of the artists that you you have sort of looked at when you do works are quite well known, but then there are certain others, like Michael Snow, who, who I think very few people know. I actually did a... Um... So you, you act as, as an introducer to that uh, person's art. Well, I guess that's something. Um, <laughs> I did a project with Michael Snow in uh, Toronto maybe two years ago mm. we kind of did a collaboration it wasn't quite clear how, how it would work but uh, we did a show together and um, I know I think that generation is still really smart and re- completely on the ball about how things are happening much more than the, the younger generation maybe I'm wrong but it seemed like it there it seemed much more alive speaking to this person than, than it did to a, to a younger crowd when I was talking to him, anyway, a lot more energy and conviction in what he was doing and belief and, and experiment and uh, somehow understanding about what you can and what you should do or mm. what can be done. Um, the same with people like Lawrence Wiener. When you meet him, he's always uh, completely involved in this, the, the younger artists that he knows in New York. But I think he's always somehow, even if the works tend to look pretty much the same mm-hmm. there's always an it's always kind of stepping over either over himself or over the next line that is reinvented i don't know what did you do with michael snow i mean what kind of we, we made well it, <laughs> i wanted to do a film and i that was the original plan that i would make a film and he would make the soundtrack because i've never made a film with sound before uh, well, I, in the meantime, I have. But in the end, it, we, what we did was made... Uh, we shot uh, two films. And then during the installation... Well, I, I installed his film and he installed my film. Um, so somehow he was in charge of how my work would look and I was up to a point in charge of how his would look. But we only had a three-day period to uh, to do this mm. and limited funds but it, it worked in the end I think mm. uh, I just used one of these stock films of a fireplace uh, that I put onto film so my bit was kind of easy he made quite a complicated film mm-hmm. um, but he, he installed mine with uh, with goldfish next to it so there were there was a film of a fireplace and then there was there were fish mm-hmm. swimming around. Well, not that I ever really feel that what I'm doing is uh, strategic, even though it probably is. I don't. 
think it is, mm. even if it might look like it could be. So I'm not really uh, thinking that far ahead and mm. where I'm going to go after this. And I always, I, not always, but I like to make things that seem completely opposite from what I should do at the same time uh, as doing things that seem very logical and, and a complete continuation from the last work. Um, I always think it's nice to have a lot of things going off at different angles and not always going in the same direction, even if they somehow come from the same place. Mm. Probably all end up in the same, in the bin. So it's like, uh, I, I, th I think it's also just good to keep things happening all at the same time. And if there's a cont continuity, then it's fine. But if not, then that's perhaps even better. Mm. And what what is it with you and bikes? It seems that almost I don't, I'm not saying that it has a specific significance, but the first thing that you uh, said when I asked you whether uh, well, actually the first thing you said, which I really liked, that when I emailed you and asked, uh, would you like to come to Stockholm to do a talk? And then your response was, oh, that sounds nice. What would we talk about? Yeah. That, that was quite interesting. And then I said, perhaps your art, or and then we started. Uh, but then the the next thing was that maybe you, we wouldn't talk, but you would maybe uh, see if do you could workshop. learn. <laughs> no, not do a workshop. What you said was that maybe I could learn to how to ride a bicycle backwards while I'm here. And uh, when I look at there, there's uh, you have several artworks with bikes in them as well. Yeah, I do actually. Do you just like biking, or no? Well, it's always gets you where you generally want to go. But I, I'm. I, th I think since I've lived in Berlin, which is quite a cycle-friendly city, um, I have looked at them in a different light. Uh, even though when I was a kid, I always was on a bike. Not that I like... There you go. That, um, that came... This one, what's it called? Uh, I, I made... And it was something my father told me. I think when they were young and cycling around. They always wanted a racing bike, and I think it was hard to keep them to get light bicycles at that point in the 19, early 1950s, probably. So a friend of his drilled lots of holes in the bike mm -hmm. um, until when he turned the corner, the whole thing collapsed under him. So I tried to make a bike that would hold you you, ha you were scared to cycle it just because it looked like it was going to collapse. Mm. So it's just a bike with lots of holes drilled in it. Um, and I've done a few of these kind of upturned bicycles that look like you're changing a, a tire or putting the chain back on, but then it's the, the wheels are actually controlled by motors going in different directions. Um, and other bikes, mainly in, I guess, also in Scandinavia. In Denmark, I've done a few bicycles uh, with objects in the in the front. You know, these the bicycles that uh, I don't know what they're but called. With the, like, the three-wheel yeah. ones, where the, we can put with the three-wheel ones like that. But also regular bikes that have a, a small cart at the front that mm. we made objects to fit in the the front. Mm. Um, so that was a kind of playing on the idea of. Uh, sort of minimal artist that would cycle to his studio taking a big block of wood or something mm -hmm. i'm not sure i'm doing any more bike works although i yeah 
for for this bicycle that I've made additions for a, the Kunstverein in uh, Munich, where you can uh, you could just buy the wheels, um, and the 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 whole idea of the work was that the people that would decide to buy the wheels had to keep them inflated, just in case I would come by mm-hmm. and change a tire. It's a bit like Tour de France <laughs> somewhere. So now I'm making a saddle for them as well, but the pole will. Uh, be much longer than necessary so you can actually sit on it when you're standing up um that looks quite nice that's not one of your bikes though is it no no it could be it's a bike let's bid for it but um i think this idea of the cycling backwards was also just because in certainly in berlin and perhaps here um, fixed wheel bicycles have become very uh fashionable But they're still as dangerous as they always were. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think about it, but it's. Has anyone? Does anyone here cycle one? Where the wheel just keeps. It's great going uphill, but coming down, it's so scary because you can't s- stop the thing. It just mm-hmm. kind of keeps going. You have to, I don't know, jump off, I guess. But anyway, there's a lot of the cycle couriers have these things and. Mm-hmm. Um, They seem to be okay. Yeah, well, you see, there's lots of them here in Stockholm as well. Lots of accidents, I'm sure. Yeah. I thought I would. Uh, it's almost seven, so uh, I thought I'd open up to, to see if Let's anyone open up to the floor wanted to ask uh, a question before we run off. Anyone in the audience? But I was warned before that people from Sweden don't ask questions. Oh, good. It's a very high concept that we'll go through later on in the evening. No, it was more this idea of having something that would be, would maybe be slightly more confusing than helpful. Um, that it would jump from one thing to the next, which uh, is maybe what I do um, without realizing it. But um, sorry if it was uh, confusing. Okay, that's great. Well, I think that's always the case when someone else, when you, it's like reading someone else's newspaper. Uh, the point was not to make you uh, annoyed, for sure. The so I hope that didn't happen. <laughs> I did a talk here. There was a fight. That was. Quite oh, really? Funny. Here yeah. in Stockholm? Yeah. Because somebody Googled and then. No, no. it was pre-Google. It was way back then, in mm. like '95. How long has Google been around? I, I don't know, 2000 10. probably or something. Really? I don't know. Uh, someone told me that it was possible to find anyone on the internet through like clicking it nine times, which is, I think, well, the nine times bit I just made up, but X amount of times, which I think is completely untrue. Yeah, of course. I don't think my mother's on it. Oh, no, there she is. <laughs> no, I don't think my... She's uh, she's not on it. It's up there. But... Uh, No, I, I mainly because I um, I was just thinking that one of the the links that I sent before was a uh, Italian baby names, mm-hmm. 
I was just going to talk about that, but it's not interesting. So let's... Uh, we, we could round off with uh, you talking about Italian baby names, if you want. Well, unless there's any other questions, any Italians need names? <laughs> Felix? I was, I was thinking about you to show in Paris recently, but I want you to finish this on work, on staff in China. And it would be interesting to hear how you view your role as a commissioner, in a way. Not doing the work yourself, or you, those very interesting keys would help with having made in China. I think that a lot of the works that I've done recently are generally made by someone else. Uh, whether that is a good thing or not, I'm not sure. But I think it allows me to uh, to do a lot more things than I would be normally uh, able to do. So I have I have had things made in a lot of different places. Um, China too, but. Um, how I work generally is specifically um, through the gallery system that maybe I've somehow set up for myself, which allows me to have things made in specific places in the world. Um, and those specific places tend to have uh, their own unique way of working, um, whatever that might be. Even the dis difference between uh, Berlin and London is going to create something different. Um, and the Chinese idea really has allowed me to just have things made very simply through instruction over the internet, um, even to the point of recreating Andy Warhol's entire um, Chairman Mao exhibition um, from the early 70s by a bunch of Chinese painters who copied the silk screens for me um, by hand. And I, what I'm, I still try and use this system that's there for pretty much everyone to to use. That um, I just ask them all to be done by a different person. So what you get in the end is something really similar to the original, but very different. But also very different to the other one that's sitting next to it. Um, just because you see the style of the of the artist, I think China somehow has developed a its own industry of copying. Um, they can make pretty much everything, uh, but they tend to, not always, but quite often copy things. So if I send them a photograph of uh, a cutting of my own hair from 1970 uh, that my mother gave me, I keep mentioning her, God, um, then they can copy it for me. So it looks really like a a few strands of hair inside an envelope. Um, and if I was to get that done somewhere else, it would probably be quite difficult to find the, the artists and cost a lot more money. Um, so somehow it was also dealing with that idea of how perhaps China has uh, emerged somehow within the last five years as a new artist kind of community of not that many artists that have uh, traveled outside of China, but still there must be millions of them there that are working. Um, and it, it, I guess the first thing I made was a, was actually a remake of this Crackers book I was talking about earlier that I, um, I 
commissioned a production company in China to make a version of the Ed Ruscher film called Premium um, using only the book, uh, which is completely different from the original film. Um, and it was just called Chinese Crackers. And I guess that was the starting point of using systems that were available for, for everyone, really. That's what I was trying to tap into, this whole idea of the availability of production in China, that it's just another company over the internet that you send a JPEG to and two weeks later a copy of what you send them arrives. I didn't want to really uh, get involved with the company that much. No, well, certainly no more than anyone else that would order a, a painting from them. I, mean, I know the piece that Christian made with the with this Chinese um, painting factory, but um, I think this was just a, a specific way of getting things made quickly and cheaply um, that I liked. They're not really very good paintings, but uh, that didn't really matter either. Uh, I mean, specifically the the idea of. I've tend to, uh, or I have only made really two specific works using this uh, Chinese. They're called the uh, what they call the Painting Kingdom. You could Google them if you want. They're, and they, um, I made this Warhol series of asking them to paint Mao's, and then I've asked them to repaint other paintings that have been commissioned by other artists in. So they've remade a bunch of Kippenberger paintings for me that were originally commissioned by a, by him um, in the early 80s. So I, I've tried to play with this whole system of remaking, um, whether it be in China or whether it be anywhere else. I'm not really that bothered. But, uh, well, apart from the Mao ones, it seemed to make sense. Specifically, the, the, my idea with the Kippenberger ones were, again, to try and keep this idea of him alive um, and the works. So that it's like an endless series. It's, they keep going. Whether what I'm doing is any more interesting or less interesting than anyone else's, it's not really something that I spend a lot of time thinking about. But whether the system will exhaust itself, I hope so. Um, and then it will just change and create something else but uh who knows maybe i should stop using well, these uh, chinese we've been talking for an hour did you want to go into italian baby names as a roundoff so the the italian baby names that is uh mainly because i i'm making a work or i've made three versions of works where i uh i'm i'm trying to guess the names of uh or have actually guessed two names that the an a Canadian's um grandmother, an American's mother, and I'm still trying to guess an Italian collector's mother's name. So every week, every Friday, in fact I'll send one from Stockholm tomorrow morning, I have to send uh an Italian lady a piece of paper with a name on it and a question mark. And the work is only complete when I've actually guessed the name. And I've been guessed, trying to guess this one for maybe three years. The American and Canadian was maybe, I guess, also two to three years of guesses. So that's why there's the Italian baby names that I go through, not just the Internet. I use a book as well, and it's completely at random. 
obviously, if you're guessing, it kind of has to be. So that's why there's the Italian baby names that I uh, try. Not She's not actually a baby. She's actually a grown person. <laughs> I don't know why they're called baby names. It's like, wasn't it just names? What, what was the name baby of the... For very long. Hey, Jonathan, what was the name of the American? Uh, the American's name was... No, you have to get start all over. I'm going to thank you because it's been an hour and when you think of the... It would be nice to hear the American baby's name. Thank you all for coming. And uh, we'll be around a few more minutes for those who didn't dare asking.